What's up, guys? Welcome to Just So We're Clear, a podcast brought to you straight out of Singapore with your hosts, Marissa True and myself, Hanley Hofer. Now, if you've listened to us before, well, you know the deal. But if you're new here, well, hey, welcome. So on this show, we cover pretty much everything to do with modern life, female empowerment, sex, mental health, finances, you name it, we do it in the most uncut way possible. Mm -hmm. So grab a coffee, maybe even a glass of wine. No, definitely some wine. Light a scented candle. Or maybe you're at the gym or you're cooking your dinner. But consider this next hour your time to feel like you're not alone. Because trust us, we get it. It's just so we're clear. Oh man, you guys, it's good to be back. It has been a long minute. It has been a minute. And within that minute, Marissa and I have once again left the country. <laughs> Lots of times. Yeah. Marissa literally traveled around the globe. Where were you? I was away for a month. I started in the UK and then I went to Spain for our very close friend's wedding. And then I went to Switzerland where I enjoyed a spicy little dose of COVID. And then I went to LA just to, you know, round off the world tour. Spicy little dose of COVID. I also had COVID. Marissa and I got it at the same wedding. High five. In Spain. We are uh, no longer COVID virgins. virgins. <laughs> and man, COVID fucked us hard. COVID really <laughs> fucked it us. It really did. It humbled me. That's what happened. Everyone was saying it's not that bad. It's no. not that. It was so bad. What was the worst part for you? Oh, the body aches. Mine? I did not see that coming. Mine, I had like fever aches. Mine was the cough. Like the cough got so physically painful. I described it as like coughing glass. Yeah. Well, okay. My cough wasn't that bad. It was It was honestly the body aches for me. And it was lying in bed being like, why is this so painful? And then realizing I couldn't take another paracetamol because I'd hit my dose. Oh, yeah. see, I was lying in bed in a Swiss hotel room with no air conditioning on a single bed with just German TV and thinking... This is my idea of hell. German <laughs> TV is a hell. <laughs> As a German, I uh, feel like I can say that. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. so the weirdest part was I started, I was like, I have time. So I started watching the latest season of Stranger Things. And I watched it as my fever started to peak. So then I fell asleep. And I'm not kidding. I had the most intense fever dream. I woke up 100% convinced Vecna was next to me. And I started panicking and scrambling and trying to find the glasses, my glasses and the light. Only to realize, obviously, like it was a dream the whole way. Okay, that is a straight nightmare. And yeah, no, thank you. Vec because Vecna is so gross. No, thank you. It was because I woke, I fell asleep right at the first bit of the bone breaking thing. <gasps> Girl, yeah. don't, don't remind me that. This season of Stranger Things got dark, it man. It was intense. These kids are going to be traumatized for life. There is no coming back from that. Like, I'd say the only other character that is enduring that much trauma is um, Frodo from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Remember at the end of, like, the whole saga? Yeah. He's like, I need to go somewhere safe. And, like, they send him <laughs> off to, like, elf rehab because he's so traumatized from Middle Earth. <laughs> I, I feel Hobbit rehab. Hobbit rehab, basically. <laughs> I feel like the crew from Stranger Things are like on par with that level of yeah. trauma. Yeah. So um hope they're good. 
<laughs> with the amount of money that they are currently sitting on as a result of this show, yeah. I think they're doing quite well. You know who else is doing super well? Is Kate Bush. Oh, yeah. Good for her. So apparently, good for her. She wasn't tied to a label at the time. So she has total ownership over running up that hill, meaning every single dime went to her. It was never cut. Oh, well done, Kate. You know what? Well done. Let's give a snap for independent femininity out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you guys, we've been on a world tour. And as you all know, travel not only uh, feeds you culturally, but I think it also gives you that window to look inward. Mm -hmm. You know, when you like really see the world, you also really get to go within. And I don't know about you, girl, but. At this particular wedding that we were at, which was so beautiful because it was a childhood friend of Marissa and mine and her now husband and her had been together for like 10 10 years. Yeah. So you knew it was like the purest form of love. And a wedding like that just couldn't help but make me think about the kind of love I want. It really makes you realize that all of us love love, Mm. right? Because let's be honest, you and I were a mess. Oh my god, we could, not, everywhere. we could not stop crying. I cried every single time anyone decided, I'm going to make a short little speech. Tears. Your speech was the only speech I didn't cry at. Yeah, that's because I was like I was like a hype man. Yeah, Marissa didn't actually give like a speech speech. She just led the... The yamsang. The yamsang. Yeah. Which I had never, ever done before. You I, did so well. I was just the right amount of tipsy. And then we lost all our voices and caught COVID. Yeah. It was from the yamsang because everyone's like, ah. Just Just spreading COVID. People literally came up to me afterwards the next day, really raspy, being like, I lost my voice because of you. That was the best. And it made me feel really, really good. Bitch, I lost my voice. You heard me. Well, you didn't hear me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. That was so funny. Because we were just sat at a dinner. And then Hanley's just there dipping like a honey spoon into some lemon water and just looking at everybody being like, I won't speak. I refuse (laughs) to speak. And then we all went down. There was like 10 of us who got COVID. 10 people. Yeah. were super we spreader wedding. Super spreaders. <laughs> it was the yam sang because everyone was like, ah. So we were all breathing on each other a little We too were hard. just, yeah, we created a COVID cloud that then carried on to the, the village nearby and they probably got it. That all being said, that was probably one of my proudest public speaking moments as a professional public speaker. Mm-hmm. Like, I have never managed to command a crowd like that. I felt like Moses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's. Yeah, I, get, I actually can say I can relate because when I used to work um, with MTV, I would host concerts. And so we would do things to like rah-rah up the crowd and we would do things like splitting this like crowd of like 30,000 people in the middle and being like left side, make more noise in the right side just to right. like get the hype going. And so Alan and I would like go take teams and it was literally like Moses. Like you go, ah, and then like thousands of people would be like, ah. It's a different kind of feeling. You're mm-hmm. like, I am God. I am God. <laughs> God is a woman. I am her. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely my proudest moment. Then genuinely every other public speaking engagement I had in the following two weeks for my work trip, I was like, if I can do that at a wedding, I can moderate this panel. <laughs> and how was it? Well, it was all fine for the most part until the last one. Mm -hmm. But I think so. I think I had maybe three or four days of full fledged hosting where it was panels of like up to four people for 45 minutes at a time, which doesn't sound like a lot if you're not in the space. But if you are doing it, you realize how much energy it takes. Right. 
because you have to be so switched on and you have to use all like all of your senses are heightened and chances are you were up late prepping and making sure all of your research was done and that you're contacting all the speakers making sure they're all in the right place at the right time there's a lot going on um so by the last one which was the very last panel on the very last day I just, I had nothing left to give. And then in the middle of it, my hands started to shake and I was like, here comes a panic attack. Mm. And that was the first time I've ever felt not in control yeah. on a stage. That honestly, there is nothing more terrifying than uh, losing your control on in front of a crowd in public. I've experienced that before and... It fucked with me hard. Like it really like screwed up my confidence for a while. Um, and and I feel like this is the topic that we can go into today. Like we want to talk about putting yourselves out there, you know, confidence, self-esteem and everything that comes with where we're at collectively at this point in time. Because, OK, let's remember the last two years have been <laughs> A fucking trip you guys and so here we are and like everything is like back to normal on paper for a lot of us but in like innately like we've all changed and the ways that we've changed within are now showing up in well whatever was normal like before and there are some parts of us that just don't fit the same way mm -hmm. just because of growth and evolution and it's normal and if you're going through that we just want to say that we're totally here with you and like for me and Marissa, that can, I guess, manifest a little bit in like confidence and public speaking. Yeah. Which we haven't had the opportunity to practice for so long. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I know what it's like to have like a panic attack on stage when it's something that you've honestly done dozens of times. Yeah. And you're like, I know this. I should be able to do this. And you get up there and you lose your thing. Your voice shakes. Your breathing gets sh like shallow. Your hands start shaking and you freeze. And yeah. you just do your best. And you come off stage and you're like, what the hell was that? Exactly. It's, you, it's very much like a deer in the headlights moment. And exactly as you said, you've done it so many times before. You're like, I don't understand. This is the same formula. This is the same setup. Like, I know this, like the back of my hand. I could do this backwards. Yet for some reason, my hand is shaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was really lucky that I had. So there were actually a lot of factors that were going on that were driving this panic attack. It wasn't purely internal. Like, yes, there was the exhaustion and kind of generally being burnt out after being a month on the road. But it was also the fact that there was this guy who tried to heckle my talk and like heckling is something that it happens and then you learn how to manage it but this guy in particular was live streaming it and he was dressed in a very peculiar way and he was speaking in this really ominous tone and he was basically telling us that we were all doomed or we were all banned and in the context of america that's a it's a very uncomfortable situation wait, wait. i just want to peel back to give um the audience more uh context yeah okay so, so marissa was hosting at this thing called vidcon vidcon is a really big conference that is basically everything under the sun that's got to do with content yeah it's uh, like creation, every production uh tech it's like an all-in-one. It's like every single famous TikToker, YouTuber, Instagrammer. Like you guys probably know. You've probably seen yeah. your favorite YouTubers, Instagrammers post about VidCon recently. So Marissa was there and um, she had a section with her company. And those were the uh, talks that she was moderating. Yeah. So 
here comes like creepy American dude, like live streaming, just like heckling her and her guests on stage. And then now this is where she's at. But also to add a bit more context to this is outside, because this is such a high profile event outside, they also had really intense and aggressive security. Oh, yeah. And they also, on top of the general security, they had these guys carrying full automatic weapons. Which, honestly, like, growing up in Asia and Singapore, like, we don't see guns in real life unless we see them on the actual, like, police every now and then. Every now and then, right? But when you see a gun in real life, like, in a place like America, where we all know has a lot of problems. It's just a different feeling. It's so jarring. Yeah, it's like if you see a gun in Singapore, you generally understand it's more of a patrol thing. But when you see a gun in America, in my mind, you think that is actually something that's very actively used. It's not a showpiece. It's not a deterrent. It's a genuine weapon. And it also, on the one hand, I was looking at it thinking, it's uncomfortable to me that these are here. And on the other hand, it's more uncomfortable to know that they felt that they needed to back this event with this level of security, which makes me think, what other threats are there that this sort of defense is necessary? It's like a movie, huh? Like you go to work and then you see people like patrolling with guns. It's so weird. And like, listen, there are enough shootings in America that you always feel a little bit on edge. Like as unlikely as it might feel, it's not that unlikely these days. I mean, it happened twice on the 4th of July, just a couple of days ago. So there was all of this ticking in the back of my brain. And then you have this guy who's very peculiar and he's live streaming. And that's also another common trait. So my brain is making all of these connections. And security, for all of their intensity, when this guy's posing a threat, no one's dealing with him. Like, everyone's just watching him and trying to decide if they should interfere with him. And I'm sitting there being like, get rid of him. Like, he's making me uncomfortable. He's making me scared. Eventually, they, you know, they kind of approach him gently and they try to coax him away. And by this point, it's too late because my hand is already going. And I was so blessed to have these panelists who kind of clocked Something was going on. First, they were uncomfortable with the guy too. Second, they could see I was starting to like lose it a little bit. And so one of them actually pulled her microphone away from her her mouth and just looked at me and was like, you're good, keep going. Like, just keep going. But in my brain, I'm like, everything in my body is like, run. Yeah. Just stand up and run. And looking at the clock and being like, there's 20 minutes left. You can't ditch this panel with 20 minutes left. Yeah. And at the same time, looking at the audience who are also confused about what's going on. Did the on. audience clock that there was some dude making you uncomfortable in the front or from their angle they couldn't see? No, they could see. Oh. So my colleagues were actually in the audience and you could see them sort of sitting up a bit and trying to monitor the situation. But trusting that security was going to handle it, even though security was not handling it. Um, so yeah, collectively, like every like I've never felt on stage this serious urge to run. And just sitting there and like gripping my microphone, being like, sit still. You Mm. have to get through the next 20 minutes. You are literally hired to manage your composure in front of other people. So do that. Do your job. Exactly. Do your literal job. Yeah. It, It is tough. I mean, your situation sounds terrifying, like on like a life and death kind of terrifying i it, that because it's painted and such because we've got like security and guns involved and like just what we know about that kind of scene yeah it, it does add that layer of like honest fear i mean I, I don't know how i would react if i was like there is some guy heckling my presentation and also he fit every prototype of like what you think like that, an incel kind of yeah, yeah. like 
a live streaming, weird, awkward guy telling me that I was doomed and that I was canceled. Yeah, that's, that is pure incel, like tick boxes. Like. Yeah. And like, let's be honest, guys, I am not a big enough deal for me to actually be a target of this kind of thing. Like, it's not like I was the celebrity of the event, right? Like, I don't know why this heat was coming down on me. It just, all I knew was that it was and that I didn't want anything to do with it. And I wanted him as far away from me as possible. And to add to this entire situation that made it more terrifying is they brought him backstage. And I think because it was the end of the day, they must have been taking down some of the apparatus. But all I hear are these huge pops and bangs and then running. That's all I hear behind the stage. And I'm thinking... I don't know what's going on because he's beyond, like he's not visible to me anymore. All I hear is running and and then yelling as well. And then on the other side of the convention center, I hear people screaming and I can't tell if it's panic or elation. Mm. And like I said, when you're on stage, you're like your senses is, okay, are so this heightened. This story is making me sweat. Like <laughs> actually, this is making me like detest large groups and like no. No, no, it's, no. It's because your senses are so heightened and like you start to get disoriented by what they mean and what exactly is going on because you're supposed to be focusing on what's yeah. exactly in front of you. And when, also when the room is dark and you have no audience feedback, it's hard to gauge, right? Because you can almost like if you see the audience reacting a certain way, you can play off of that and understand where things are going or what the common feeling is. But it was I was so like bamboozled. Yeah, I mean... Listen, when you're hosting, when you're engaging, you know, you need a social, that social feedback to let you feel comfortable in order to keep on going. For me, that's something that I've struggled with with my hosting because of the masks. Mm -hmm. So that's actually what happened to me when I had my like, like small panic attack on stage mid presentation. Um, it's because I couldn't connect with the audience because I couldn't see anyone's faces. And that really threw me. And um, it sent me into like a spiral of questioning my own ability as a host, which was like fucking with my self-confidence and self-esteem hard because this is honestly a career that I've done for like 10 years now. How did I have a panic attack and like lose all my flow um, on something that I had done dozens of times and I had to give myself credit like, okay, it's the masks. It's that like energy that you take back when you put out. It is a transaction. Yeah, it's understanding how many external factors are actually influencing your performance. Mm. I mean, honestly, the thing that made me at peace with what happened was the fact that you said, no, this is something that you've dealt with as well. And oh, that really? it wasn't. Yeah, because at first I was like, maybe, maybe I'm just not good at this. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can't handle this. And the fact that you were like, I've done this for a decade and it's happened to me. I was like, oh my God. Okay. okay. So it's a thing. I want you to consider this on a wider level too, because you guys, my, my, uh, my little episode of my confidence being lost in a role that I have done for a third of my life now was uh, so jarring that I actually sought help for it. And I went to my acting coach that I've worked with a few years ago and I did like a one-on-one -on -one workshop to bring back my confidence to just refresh that skill in a safe, controlled and coached sense. And he told me that every single performer, talent, thespian, entertainer, public speaker, leader is experiencing what I'm going through at this current point in time. 
Okay. Like, you're not alone. I reached out to my actor friends who actually do, like, theater acting. And she was like, yep, I felt the same thing. And, like, I reached out to, like, like another friend who does, like, live streaming. She's like, yep, I felt the same that's, thing. That's really reassuring. It's, like, on the one hand, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, all of us have dealt with that. But the other hand, it's like, okay, so this isn't, you know, a me thing. It's not. It's it's. I think this is another thing we can all kind of take comfort from in, like, a collective sense. Like, everyone is going through this level of something's changed in me. And I'm not able to do the thing that I was able to do two years ago as well. Mm-hmm. And and like when I say this and you guys are tuning in, like maybe there's something in your life that that's happened to for you. Maybe it's like a social setting thing. Maybe you showed up to a dinner party and suddenly in the middle of the dinner party, you were like overwhelmed because you're like, oh my God, there's so many people here. I don't know how to have conversations anymore. And maybe you, that left you being like, am I antisocial? Yeah. Am I like just not as fun as I used to be? Maybe these things have been happening to you. And if they have, please know that you're not alone. Like this stories that Marissa and I are sharing, like we do this professionally. Like, I mean, it's crazy. People actually pay us for it. Like, I can't believe it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we are podcast hosts, you guys. Like we do this all the time. We speak openly and we share. And yet we had experiences where we felt like we were amateurs mm. and it totally threw us off. And I think that's the thing that like we're talking about in the context of what we do. But like you said, it can happen to anyone in any given scenario. It just like like it's something as simple as a dinner party. And I think there's something also to be said about what it means to put yourself out there in those ways Mm -hmm. and understand the vulnerability that comes with and opening yourself up to whatever kind of energy wants to come back to you. And so this is where I think we all got to throw that self-compassion towards ourselves and also like relate it to the current situation that we've gone through. There's so much that has happened and changed to us on an internal level, on an external level, on a global level energetically, emotionally, even physically, you know, our hormones and our fitness plays a role. (laughs) So much has changed. So coming back to situations that on paper are the same and then us not feeling like we fit is totally fine. It's happening everywhere. And you're so not alone. I actually had this conversation literally yesterday where someone called me to ask if I was okay because they, I seemed a little off to them. And I was just saying, it's actually... After having been away from home for a month, everything is offbeat, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of trying to insert myself back into the life that I left a month ago and realizing it's kind of like when you try to put your shoes on when you land on the plane. Oh, and your feet are like swollen and you notice everything. Exactly. Everything is tight and uncomfortable and you're like, this this shoe is my size. Why doesn't it fit right now? And you're just like, ah, like I need to to readjust Mm -hmm. because I'm out of the swing of things. Like I need to find the rhythm again. And that made like once I kind of it's weird because sometimes I use metaphors and they make more sense to me after I've said them. I thought about longer. I was like, oh, okay. Like we were trying to just run in really, really tight shoes straight off the bat. And now my feet hurt. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Didn't have time to break into them. Yeah. Because I had COVID and the day I recovered, I was back on stage. And people are like, take it easy. And you literally went the other direction. I was like, I don't need that. I already spent a week in bed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. So the reason that that mix up happened for you was not only because there was a freaking creep in the crowd, but also like internally, you just weren't, you weren't ready. I was exhausted. You were exhausted. I mean, I will take credit and pride in the fact that for someone who was so tired and had just recovered from a pretty rough bout of COVID, 
I handled the most of it well. I think there was one or two panels where people told me about the brain fog and I didn't believe them until I found myself mid conversation being like, I just stopped listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I, I do that all the time. Yeah, it's, you do that to me. <laughs> it's nothing personal. It's just brain fog. And it's not COVID. It's just my, it's just who I am. <laughs> it was me. also like coming back to the gym and being like, wow, COVID really destroyed my lungs. But also thinking, maybe I'm just unfit. Yeah. <laughs> definitely have been going through that i'm like it's covid it's definitely not the six weeks i haven't worked out <laughs> yeah exactly but i think it also points to the broader conversation that we were discussing before we started recording about like you know self-confidence and self-worth and self-esteem and how they all interplay to to come up with how you're feeling and which ones come from the outside which ones come from within which ones are stable and which ones are more fluid mm -hmm. and then trying to find that balance yeah so for me, confidence is uh, something that you practice. Mm -hmm. okay. And um, and I mean, I think that's a that's a, a theme that has sort of followed me in my life um, career wise as well, because in order to do what I have done, you need to have confidence. Mm -hmm. And in order to get there, you need to practice. Mm -hmm. And maybe you guys have something in your lives where you're like, I know I'm here because I've had enough practice whether it's socially or like um, in your career where you're like, I got this because I could practice this. We are so out of practice. <laughs> like, guys, like in full honest disclosure, like I think I'm out of practice of confidence and just life. Like the pre-COVID life is just, I'm still getting back into it. And it's taking me longer than I thought. And I'm just now practicing that self-compassion to be like, that's okay that it's taking longer. Yeah. But I think that's when you fall back on your self-worth because self-worth is like your baseline. Like no matter how much might knock your confidence in terms of say how you present yourself, how you look, like whatever it is, your self-worth should stay fixed because it's just like when you strip everything away, when you strip all of the, the external validation internally, you're still sound. So... Let's also put out um, the separating uh, definitions between self-esteem and self-confidence. Because you guys, they're actually two completely different things. They sound like they're going to hang out in the same boat. but And they do, but they have different jobs. They do and they don't. They do and they don't. Because I, I know people who have like high confidence, but no self-esteem. Don't you? Kind of, yeah. But then it's just like... Because, you know, sometimes the loudest or, like, the most, like... Uh, okay, I'm not going to say loudest because I don't think confidence equals loud. But sometimes that person that you uh, think is so confident is also the one who's most insecure. Sure. I see that happen a lot, especially sure. in my industry. So I don't... That's why I kind of disagree. Like, they might seem like they're in the same boat, but I don't actually think that they are. But sometimes I think, like, external demonstrations of cockiness, like this being loud and belligerent and in charge, is you can feel when there's no confidence that's backing it. You can have social confidence, but that doesn't mean that you have self-worth. And self-esteem. And self-esteem. We all know yeah. that person who can, like, life of the party... But in their personal life, like, doesn't do that well being don't alone. Don't feel like they're enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, heck, I, I can admit, I think I used to be a version of that person. 
Yeah, I yeah. actually went, I think I went the other way where publicly I was so quiet because I had no self-confidence in public arenas, but I had a lot of self-esteem when I was quiet and by myself mm -hmm. and then being like, okay, how do we take this feeling and put it out? Yeah, exactly. We can do all the inner work we want. We can journal every day with the little mantra sign off, which... I think is so cute and we should all be doing anyway. But then we could be blocked. We could be blocked by this uh, sense of being seen. Like we can have all this internal goodness and know that we're great. But then like, do I have the confidence to put myself out there? Like, no, that also doesn't mean that you so have both. What is the distinction? So just to clarify, so self-esteem basically means you appreciate and value yourself. So it's very intrinsic, intrinsic. Yeah. Um, your self-esteem develops and changes as a result of life experiences and interactions with other people. So, so extrinsic. Growth. Right. That's a self-esteem. Okay. So that's like growth, personal development. And self-confidence is the belief in yourself and your abilities. So that can change on the situation. So abilities, that's why I say self-confidence is practiced. Right. Yeah. Because you have to remind yourself. Yeah. And also when it say, means like it depends on the situation. Like you can be confident. For example, you can be a confident dancer because you know you have the ability to dance and you have confidence in that. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be confident in public speaking. It doesn't mean you're going to be confident in being um and like uh, socially vulnerable or like to talk, talk to someone. You see what I mean? It's sure. Confidence can be but applied to, to different things, but that doesn't mean it can be applied to you in like a broader sense. But to turn that slightly, it's like I think part of the assumption there is that you're confident because you know you're good at it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, but at the same time, there's a confidence that can exist with things that you know you're not good at, but you do anyway. Like, let's like to take the dancing example, right? If it's a night out, and I'm a little bit tipsy. I am very confident going out onto the dance floor and just losing it. However, I know for a fact I am not a good dancer. But it's not, it doesn't take away from my confidence in what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do know. It's what almost you like mean. my confidence is because I know I don't have to be good at this to still feel good about what I'm doing. I don't need to. I don't need the certainty that I'm good at it to feel safe in doing it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because my confidence is like I know, you know, what I've got going on. I know what I value. Well, I know. Then like I wouldn't say that the confidence is then like uh, narrowed down to dancing. I then say the confidence is like the practice of being seen. It's like the sure. practice of putting sure. yourself so out there. So to go to the umbrella of yeah. what's exactly happening. Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly it. They're like I don't. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically saying like. I know I'm going to look a bit ridiculous here, but I'm okay with you seeing that. Yeah, and also because throughout my life, I've pushed myself to, quote unquote, look ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so now I know that I can put myself out there even if I look ridiculous. And it is actually a thing because if you think about those that really struggle to make fun of themselves or be made fun of are often those with a little bit of more fragile confidence or fragile self-esteem. Like I was telling you just the other day that like, you know, we've done this podcast for two and a bit years. And I knew when we started with full knowledge that there's a group of friends who genuinely make fun of us for what we do. <laughs> like they, they, they listen to it. Thank you for boosting our numbers, but they listen to it. Why would, the... No, they're not friends. Don't use that word. <laughs> Firstly, with the, they're no, with... not friends. They're people that we knew from high school. They're not friends. 
they everyone listen. no i don't i don't group them as friends they no some of them are my friends i will say that like that for sure don't sound like good friends <laughs> <laughs> no but they i know i knew their characteristics enough to know that they listened with the intent of finding things to poke fun at mm-hmm. and the thing is that like i knew that going in but as far as i was concerned they couldn't touch me because it wasn't something I felt insecure about. I know what I was like. I knew know what we were putting out onto this podcast that was valuable to other people. It didn't need to be valuable to them. And I was like, you don't need to take me seriously or what we're building seriously because it's not for you. Yeah. But if you want to go ahead and do that, you're not actually going to knock me off of yeah, my, my self-worth. It was actually quite funny because when Marissa was like telling me, I was like, Really? I was like, really? People people listen and make fun of us because I ha- I don't do anything with the thought that someone is going to poke fun of it. Weirdly, that feeling of being made fun of is one of the biggest things that makes me uneasy about oh. being the running joke or being like the oh. the point of humiliation. But you have your own experiences and trauma to why you have this belief. 100%. Because of your belie- your, exactly. the way that you were bullied and that actually happened to you. Yeah, multiple times throughout the course of yeah. my life. That so, it does- so you have this leftover fear that, oh my God, what if they're going to... Yeah, yeah, but I think growing up and building my self-worth and self-esteem and self-confidence was a thing that meant that let me see that and be like, go ahead because I'm actually okay. And I did speak to that friend a lot about it. And like, what was great was him and I came to an understanding where he was just like, I will admit, I genuinely did go in with the intent of tearing it apart. And he was just like, I was genuinely really impressed by what you guys are putting out. And like the fact that you're putting yourselves out there. It's a great podcast. And I was like, (laughs) I value that. But at the same time, it was also this mentality of why do we make fun of people who are trying to build something? Oh, girl. Like, See, it's because it people w- hate themselves. So they have nothing. <laughs> no, it's true. People hate themselves. And instead of confronting the things they don't like about themselves, they project it onto other people. And then that's what makes the world a shit place. And that's why I don't like to engage with those kind of people. And that's why, like, I feel it's like create something not for the intent or the thought of what other people think, even if they love it or even if they like hate it. Just never create anything for external validation. Oh, 100%. I mean, think about it. We use this as our audio journal, right? Mm-hmm. And then we just happen to have people dial in and say, hey, listen, I connect to that. And we've definitely had a couple trolls as well who've just been a bit of a dipshit. But we're not like, oh, my God, should we take their views seriously? No, because that's not what we're doing yeah. here. Yeah. Like, could you imagine if every time we got like, a shitty message we were like should we stop <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, if anything true. we're just like we keep going yeah like, let's rub Man, this in a little harder yeah i mean uh, listen i'm like the other day i was going through my hormones and i was sensitive but today the light has cleared and i'm feeling a lot more better um but there are some really fucking bitter in this people in this world there really are yeah. and like the other day i got a message Someone was like, boy, you so fucking cringe. And I was like, fuck, okay. (laughs) I was like, okay. I'm still getting used to DMs of strange men being like, hello. Oh, girl. Dude, I have my professional email out there for like work reasons. And I literally get people being like, subject, horny. (laughs) No. Like, and then in the email, it'll be like, hello, want to fuck. 
and then like I don't I feel like I send them I send most of them to you occasionally you'll send me a screenshot but I didn't know like you send me the Instagram DMs you don't send me the official oh, Candy ha- Hofer email address yeah are they not no oh god it doesn't surprise me though it was just kind of like remember when you first discovered that message request box on Facebook and it was just a slew of marriage proposals <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, seriously guys, men online are fucking creepy. Men are ridiculous. And it's online. always men. It's always men. I have not yet received a creepy message from a woman. So uh, so until I do, this is a you problem. This is a this is a, a male problem. Yeah. Like this yeah. is seriously a male problem like gross. Yeah. But yeah, I think when it comes down to it, like what we were saying before is when you have the people who tend to attack what you are genuinely putting, pouring your time and your effort and your care into. Sometimes you got to wonder, like, where does that come from? Do they struggle with their self-esteem? Dude, it's because they hate themselves. Kind of I don't even go as no, far as to say they listen, hate themselves. No, honestly, like, okay. I okay, okay, fine. Maybe it's a little dramatic to say that they hate themselves, but it's because they fucking hate themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, think about it. Honestly, like, if you're the type of person who sits down, in front of someone's effort and creative time with the intent to look for negativity, to commit yourself to that mindset. Like only a person who really is miserable would do that. Because I don't know I don't know any happy person who goes around looking for negativity in other people's joy. I think that is fair. But it also makes me think that there's also a couple other layers to it, like especially working in the online space, right? It's so much easier to throw shade. Because there's a layer of anonymity. There's also like you might be talking about it privately so these people don't hear it. But at the end of the day, right, like these are all people creating and doing their best in an online space. Like, yes, okay, it's the internet and it's digital and there's a lot out there. But when it really boils down to it, there is a person behind who's creating. Mm -hmm. And like, don't shit on that. Like online bullying you know, the other, other the other day I was a guest on um, this YouTube channel and it's a Gen Z YouTube channel. And they and oh, it was amazing. They're so lovely. I, I actually love Gen Zers and I am kind of jealous that they have been raised with so much more self-awareness than our generation. But that's for another topic. And I said to the team behind who are also Gen Zers, um, I said, you know, if you put yourself out there on any level, on the internet, whether it's a post on social media, whether it's a YouTube video, a podcast, even if it's not a picture of yourself, even if it's like a piece of your artwork, a tweet that it took you a while to write, a little paragraph, you are already so brave because the the notion of being seen and putting yourself out there is scary full stop because you're subjecting yourself to all types of judgment. So even in that, even though it's like so natural to some of us to just put ourselves out there, like it's a scary and unnatural thing to do, but we do it anyway. And I think that is so great and so brave of us. Oh, go us. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. The way I see it is if we go back through our episodes, yes, we've had all the interviews where we're trying to educate ourselves about certain topics, but there's a lot, I'm going to say like 80% of this podcast mm-hmm. is you and I really opening up about our personal stuff that I think people underestimate what it actually takes for you to tell people that not just on an individual level but to broadcast it but as not well. but not even about us i also am talking about it to anybody like anyone if you're the kind of person who posts like yourself going to the gym like that's fucking great put yourself out there let the world know that you love fitness and that's who you are and you celebrate that about yourself to share it 
I'm going to go into the gym right after this. Yeah, and, and post a photo. You watch my like, selfies and merge. <laughs> you know, if you want to post like your diet because you're proud of the choices that you made to be healthy or you're proud of the way that you love food and that's something that you feel is worth sharing because you like it. That's beautiful. Go for it. But I do think some people struggle with the fact that with social media, some of us are putting it out there because we're happy about it and we want to share it. And others are putting it out there because they do require the validation. And if you require that validation, that's where you open yourself up to feel, uh, getting a little bit more bruised when people come at you for it. I guess that then that uh, then I mean, for sure, 100 percent. And that's another topic we can go down. But the core of I think everything um, just really boils down to intention. Like, do you intend to share from a good place? Do you intend to share from an empty place? Do you intend to look at someone's work from a negative space or from a supportive space? Like, it's all down to you and your intention. Yeah, and I would go. I would also add that your intention for one thing is not your intention for all things. So like gauge where sometimes it's done out of more of a need for validation versus you generally just putting yourself out there and being proud of it. Because like, think about it. There's definitely times where you are going to seek validation. It's a very normal human thing to do. And there's other times where you don't need that because you're very confident and you put that out as well. Like we're not only going to do it one way. Mm. We're all capable of all kinds, I think. Depending on where we're at, what our headspace is, how we're feeling. Like if you're in a position of low confidence, like some people with low confidence put out more because they're seeking that validation. Oh, yeah. And then other people, when they're super confident, put out more because they don't need that validation and they're just, they're thriving and they true. want the world to see it. True, true, true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, we can all do it all kinds of ways and it can come out the same way as well. And I think it's very hard to gauge where someone's coming from. I mean, sometimes you feel their energy and you yeah. can kind of gauge, but like, for the most part, you're guessing at best. It's just a global check-in, isn't it? Like, yeah. if, if anything that I'm going to take away from all this, it's just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, we're actually starting to sound like... You, did you see that like viral video of that chick dressed up as a white male podcaster? No, but that sounds genius. Oh my God, it was so funny. She was like talking about shit that just... like Basically, the headline was like... Was like... Uh, 30-year-old white male discovers vulnerability. It's <laughs> <laughs> like she was dressed up as a college dude, just like just talking shit in circles. Anyway, I feel like maybe we've reached that yeah. point of the podcast and where we're a yeah, little bit like, like that. There are so many examples that we could bring up that would de like perfectly demonstrate the same thing. Yeah. And we, like it's been a while. I feel like we've we've really like not caught up on podcasting for so long. Like all these topics are now like revealing themselves to us. Like we yeah, should talk about this is gonna feed the whole next 10 episodes watch us disappear for another month <laughs> <laughs> anyway guys i think i think the point that we want to get at in our sharing today is that if you're at a place right now where your confidence or your self-esteem is not feeling balanced if you are coming back to a world that on paper uh looks the same looks the same but doesn't feel it but doesn't feel it like the shoe metaphor Girl, guy, you are so not alone. You're so not alone. We are all here with you. Life is crazy. Life is scary. But we got this. I am actually uh, dubbing the next few months as Healed Girl Summer. Okay, so it's still HGS. But like we're hot girl summer, but Healed Girl Summer. But also the Healed Girl is the hot girl. 
No, bitch. People, no. She is because Some hot she girls attracts not heal. Mm. The, I feel like if you're healed, you're probably hotter. Girl, like, full honesty, my hot girl summer was when I was the least healed. Because <laughs> I was like, fuck it, hot girl so summer. Like, let's play with this damage. Let's play with this. Like, I'm so low. There's nothing left to lose. Hot girl summer. Whereas now, it's like healed girl summer. Intentions. Oh. Asking why. I'm going to hit on you with intent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as usual, guys, let us know where you're at. Are you with us? Are you going to join Healed Girl Summer? Are you going to be compassionate with yourself if the world doesn't feel like it used to? Are you going to give yourself some, like, what's the world? Give yourself a little break on all the judgment you might feel of, like, why aren't things going the way that they used to? Like, let us know. We want to hear. And also just generally message us to be like, we're good because we've caught up with so many of you over the last however long that we've been running this and we have been quiet for a while and so you guys have been quiet for a while and it would just be nice to know how you are how you are where you at and um yeah and this time we will be back we'll be back we'll be back on our schedule there's so much more going on in our lives that we want to share with you and get your feedback on so as usual you know what to do write to us we love it share with your friends even the ones that might listen to hate share anyway because let we're willing to bet they'll listen to hate and then they'll heal just a little bit. We're just out here healing everybody. Oh my God. <laughs> Are we gurus? <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. All right, guys. Any final words? Uh, no, just that we've really, really missed speaking to all of you. And it's actually really, really refreshing to be back, even if we're still a little bit rusty, but we're going to find our natural rhythm again. We're putting on that shoe. It's still a little bit tight, but we'll get there. And, you know, thank you for always being there. And we'll catch you guys uh, in a couple weeks. Bye.